0: Today's guest said, I didn't love myself. I felt I needed a man whose reflection of me would help me feel whole. As long as he saw me as worthy, I could see myself as worthy. And for 26 years of marriage, today's guest was happy. Her world was right as long as she was wife and mother and her husband approved. And then he didn't. And 26 years into her marriage, he decided it was time for him to do something different. Hello, everyone. My name is Pamela Brewer, and I am host of Mind Talk with Dr. Pamela Brewer. I am pleased to introduce today's guest, Nancy Picard, author of Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage, and Transform Your Life. Nancy, welcome to Mind Talk.
1: Thank you. It's so nice to meet you, and thank you for inviting me.
0: Now, Nancy, did I do your last name justice, or did I mangle it? No, it's Nancy Picard. It was perfect. Okay, wonderful. Perfect works every now and then. (laughs) Nancy, you you (laughs) heard me describe what for many women is their, their greatest fantasy and their worst nightmare. They're married, they're a wife, they're a mother. It's all good and then one day it's not good anymore. What was your initial reaction when your husband said to you after 26 years of marriage, I think I want to do something else?
1: Well, it broke me. It really broke me. Um, I loved my marriage. I loved my family. I loved my life. I mean, we really had it all going on or so I thought. And it just broke me. I spent 11 months from the time he first told me that to the time where I finally called uncle, trying to stand on my head to make things work. And eventually I just couldn't do it. So when I listened to what you just said, it really brought me back because I'm so far from that woman today, but hearing it all again, the way you described it, it just it took me right back there, yeah. but I'm not there today. and um, Everything that happens to us happens for our own evolution and our own growth. So I can't, I can't wish anything to be different because it's made me who I am today.
0: Speaking of who you are today, you decided, like, oh, I don't know, nobody, that you were going <laughs> to climb Count Mount Mil- Kilimanjaro. I can't even get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> and and you were past uh, the age of 21 what on earth made you decide that that's what you wanted to do
1: well so I used to be a personal trainer and so athleticism is big for me it always has been I live in Colorado I'm out every day and I was turning 60 and I had tried for a couple years to get somebody else to want to go and I just I thought this was going to be You know, just something I wanted to do, but I couldn't find anyone to go with me. And I really was afraid, basically, to travel alone. And finally, when I was turning 60, I knew I wanted to do something to claim this number, this horrible number in my head. And so I decided I was going to go climb Kilimanjaro. And I found team and training for leukemia, which I had done many events in my life with. And I signed up with them and I trained for six months and I went off and climbed Kilimanjaro.
0: As does everybody at the age of 60, right?
1: Correct, (laughs) as of everybody.
0: (laughs) You said that when you began your climb, you were one person. And when you came back from your climb, you were someone different. What was the change?
1: What the client represented for me was really learning to trust myself and to love myself and to really know what I alone was capable of doing. You know, as women, we, we feel like we are not enough by ourselves. And I'm generalizing. That's how I was. So you think, well, you're so strong and you're so this and that because you actually have a team or you have a partner and so that builds you up. But when you're really alone and you only have yourself and then you're successful, and I mean, I rocked this, you love yourself. You learn that you can trust yourself. You learn that you can stay in integrity with what you want to do and say you're going to do and then do it. It's transformational. And, you know, and that's what this was for me.
0: I, I think there are so many people, um, particularly women, but not just women, who have that experience of just not feeling like they're enough, just feeling like they can't do whatever it is that they imagine they would like to do but are almost afraid to imagine that they would like to do. Um, so the, the sort of mini picture I have in my head of you being, there and just looking around and noticing i made it i did it i'm doing it it's really kind of chilling
1: when i got to the top so that last the summit night starts at midnight and you get to the summit around 6 a.m and when you and so you're you're climbing in the dark with with a lamp on your head in like 20 layers of clothing and when you finally see the flags at the top, totally without my even thinking this would happen, I just burst out crying. Mm. And those last like five minutes was just, you know, you were shedding relief and excitement and pride, like all at the same time.
0: Let's go to the, the book that you have written, Bigger, Better, Braver conquer your fears, embrace your courage, and transform your life. You talk about many different parts of your process and a process that really does seem to have the capacity to be transformational for the reader. And so you talk about many things. One of the things that you talk about are the unconscious commitments that we make to ourselves. Tell us what that is and how that has the potential to impact our lives.
1: Okay, I think it's a huge, it impacts us greatly. So as children, um, we're meaning making machines. We make meaning out of everything, but really we're so young and so emotionally immature that we make meaning of things that happened to us without really knowing what happened. So, we make we, we, there's a belief that comes from that. So for an example, a little boy stands up in class and he's supposed to read and he misses some words or he stutters and everyone in the class laughs at him. In an instant, he can make a belief that he's broken or he's not good enough or he needs to stay quiet so people don't think he's stupid. And then he makes an unconscious commitment to himself. I'm never going to talk in public. Just like that. It's in an instant. He doesn't even know he did it. And it gets buried into his subconscious, but it rules his operating system for the rest of his adult life.
0: And, and, and we you we have that so the, many of those. You, you um, Forgive me for interrupting you, uh, but, but I want to make the point and ask that you expound upon it a bit. You say that these unconscious commitments usually happen before the, the age of 10. So that's kind of astounding all on its own
1: well it is and i'm not you know that's a general number it could happen later but generally these are things that happen early in our life and that's where people get the beliefs that they're broken or they're unworthy or they have to control everything to stay safe all of these different beliefs that then come with an unconscious commitment they actually Hold us back. I mean, I could give you, I could share with you an ex, of a huge example in my life. Well, um, let, let me ask, but you I to, see it every day with my clients. Let, let me
0: ahead. ask you to just sort of put a pin in it for a second. We need to take a break, but when we come back, I would very much like for you to share that example in your life with us. So, folks, okay. if you would stay where you are, this is Pamela Brewer. You're listening to Mind Talk, and I'm having a conversation with Nancy Picard, who is the author of Bigger, Better, Braver conquer your fears embrace your courage and transform your life we'll be right back going to share something with us from your life yes
1: yeah, so this is an example of a shadow belief which is an unconscious disempowering belief and my unconscious commitment that we were just talking about so when i was around 50 years old i got into a car accident and i wasn't badly hurt but i was shaken up and a few weeks later i was still experiencing psd from, from it and my coach at the time said let's do a session and see if there's something in your subconscious that you know wants to get out so she took me into my meditation garden and she said that all my sub personalities were like in this forest and one of them had something they wanted me to know about my fire or about my car accident and so I walked around and all of a sudden I saw myself in my mind at five years old when I had was playing with a lighter at my mother's piano and the the ivory keys went up and I went up and I almost died. I, I put my whole body on fire at five years old. Oh my God. And my mother heard me scream and rolled me out and I went to the hospital and I was there a week and I came home. I didn't get punished because I had burnt myself and they were happy I was alive. And I had no scars at the end of the day because they were all first and second degree burns. And so I went through my life not really giving this much attention at all. Mm. Fast forward, you know, 50 years later, I have this car accident. My next time, I might have almost died. And here's this little girl in my mind, upset about the fire or upset about the car accident. And my coach said, well, ask her, what does she want you to know? Well, what she wanted me to know was that I was not safe alone. Now, think about that. That's the perfect thing for a five-year-old who just put herself on fire to think. Right. So it was put in place to save me. And my unconscious commitment was I will never be alone. So I went through my life with a million friends. I had a man in my life since I was 13. I mean, it was a boy at the time. I was married 26 years, and so it really did protect me until it didn't, and that's how shadow beliefs and these commitments work. They're put in place to to help us as a child, but as an adult, they hold us back. So for me, I was never happy if I wasn't in a relationship. I was afraid to travel alone. I was afraid to stand on my own two feet, and the moment I uncovered this belief, I'm not kidding, in that moment, it
0: was over. You know, there one of the things that I really appreciated about Bigger, Better, Braver is that not only do you talk to the reader, but you also, it's, it's like a workbook and a thought book and you name it. It's sort of all encapsulated in Bigger, Better, Braver. And one of the exercises that you talk about is talking to that five-year-old, asking that five-year-old, what he or she needs. And it really is, I mean, even as you were describing it now, it provides so much richness to the understanding of how it is that you were just never going to be alone because you were clear that that was not safe. Uh, And you know, I say that, forgive me for rambling on a bit, but I say that particularly to the women who were listening who have gotten those kinds of messages so often at such an early age that being alone is not safe. And it just adds a richness to, to I think, our understanding of ourselves and others.
1: Totally, I totally agree with you. And so many of my clients have the same belief for very different reasons. One of the things- But they all, when you break it down
0: and you see, it, <clears throat> one of the things I didn't mention, um, at the, the top of our program, um, for which I apologize, I was so excited to talk to you, but I kind of failed to mention that you actually have a coaching practice. So when you talk about your clients, um, you're talking about your coaching clients.
1: Correct. Yes. Yeah. I coach, I coach one-on-one and I also do, you know, these group group coaching, online, so yes, and it's all about uncovering those exact beliefs and unconscious commitments that you were talking about.
0: You know, there are so many pieces in your book in which you make small statements, but they're small in terms of the number of words, but enormous in terms of the power and the impact. One of the things that you say uh, is that your excuses keep you a victim.
1: Say, Mm -hmm. say more Mm -hmm. about that. Well, we, you know, we all have resistance and we want to do something, but we're afraid to do it. And we have all of these excuses why we can't do it. You know, why I couldn't travel alone or why I couldn't write the book or why somebody can't get out of a marriage or why somebody can't get into a relationship, why somebody can't leave a career that's not making them happy. And so we have this resistance to change. And under the resistance are our excuses. And even though our excuses have some truth in them, generally, they're just holding us back. And, they're, and our excuses keep us the victim. I'm too busy. I don't have enough money. I, you know, I have to take care of my husband or my children. We have oh, I'm too old. I'm not smart enough. These are all the excuses that we live in that keep us in in victimhood. And unless we start to live in an excuse-free zone by recognizing what our excuses are, what they sound like, seeing where the fear is, because there's usually fear underneath them, right? and then having compassion for our fears, but moving forward in faith anyway. It's the only way to move. Recognize your excuses for what they are and see that there's fear around them, but move in faith.
0: You know, one of the things that I often say to my clients is the value of curiosity versus shame. And that sounds like it's the same thing that you're talking about. You know, we can use the word words victim and excuses and stay there in that moment, and that just takes us backwards and really just to a place that is of no value whatsoever, but if instead we are curious about it, i I'm, I'm wondering why I'm feeling this way, I'm wondering why I'm using this thing to stop me or to to slow me down, that's such a different perspective, and it, it's really what you're talking about. Um, the, you know why are you doing this to yourself, being curious about it all.
1: Yeah, being curious is also making you the observer instead of the reactor. So when you can step back and be the observer of what's happening, you're actually taking the drama and the pain out of the situation because the observer is the one seeing the one that's doing that. And then you can say, wow, why did I react that way? And what am I supposed to be learning here? What's the lesson here? What's the gift here? And when you get curious around it, you, you take yourself out of the victim mode.
0: One of the questions that you uh, talk about asking your clients is what to, to, to list five times that they were afraid of something, but they did it anyway. Why is that such an important question?
1: What happens is that we think we can't do things. The older you get, I think you use those excuses and you think you're not brave or you think you're not courageous or that's great for you, Nancy. You are so courageous. You are so brave. But they don't, they give that light away. They don't see that they are that also. And when I get them to stop and look back and see, well, you know what? I moved not knowing anybody or I started this career or I I jumped into this relationship. When they start to see the things that they were afraid of doing and then they did them and then they look at what those were, they're like, you know, those are the best times of my life. And when they actually see that they have been there, they can own back this quality that they've disowned and then they
0: can move forward. Your book is all about, and I I may be making, condensing it in in a way that you may object to, but from my perspective, your book is all about taking a look at the truth of who you are, sort of celebrating and learning about the truth of who you are and then moving forward because you can. Is that a fair description? Yes, I
1: think. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's like I say that I celebrate my awesomeness and I celebrate my flossomeness. <laughs> you have to own all of who you are, and you can't make parts of you wrong because you want to be emotionally whole. So, the book and my work is is getting you to see that everything happens for a reason. And everything that's happened to you has been for the evolution of your soul. So let's look at that. Let's see what the lessons and the gifts are. And then this is your starting point. And when you can then, from here, recognize that every choice matters and that you and you alone are responsible for all of your choices, it's liberating and it's life-changing.
0: I I completely agree with you. When you realize that you have choices and that you make choices and that you can make a different one today from the one you made yesterday, it really is uh, an amazing awareness of just the truth of who you are. Nancy, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, you just referenced one soul. I'm gonna ask you to tell us a little bit about the Soul Vision Board. Folks, don't go away, we'll be right back. (laughs) you to as briefly as you can um tell us about the soul vision board there's a there's another question that i want to get to before we have to wrap up today so briefly if you can
1: we've all okay. heard
0: we've all heard about vision boards what's a soul vision board
1: well so my i i, I split split it between the ego's vision board which is what our mind thinks we want And that's got all of our shadow beliefs underneath there and all of what we think society should we should want. And our souls, that's what our heart wants. So when you get quiet and you get inside and you see what your heart wants for you, separate from what your ego wants for you, and then you make a vision board from what comes up there, it's a very different vision board.
0: It sounds like it's a very powerful vision board. It is. You reference studies that point out that we are conscious of what we do about 50% of the time. And you say that the rest of the life, uh, the balance of our lives, we kind of go through it on automatic pilot. In some mm-hmm. cases, 50% is a big number. In this case, it's a stunningly tiny number.
1: Yes. So. What happens, I mean, we all do things on autopilot. I mean, we couldn't drive or breathe or move if we weren't doing things on autopilot. But we do so much on autopilot and we become emotionally in autopilot that we're not even seeing what our habitual negative patterns are or our disempowering beliefs. We're just going through the motions. And so, so many times people will say, I want to do something that I'm passionate about, but I'm not passionate about anything. And it's because we've stopped getting inside. You know, we're so busy in the doing that we aren't really aware of our being. And, and that's what happens when we stay on autopilot.
0: I would suggest that there are some folks who actually believe that they don't have a right to be passionate about anything, that that's just not okay
1: i'm sure they do because that's a shadow belief somewhere in their childhood they were made to believe that they were unimportant my voice doesn't matter you know a lot of my clients who have who like they're the sixth child in the family and their opinions were never wanted or asked they grew up thinking their voice doesn't matter or my wants don't matter i mean think about how many mostly women, but obviously men too, are people-pleasers. Yes. You know, they think that self-care is selfish, where it's not. You know, you have to fill up your own cup before you can fill up somebody else's cup. Correct.
0: Indeed. Nancy, again, the, the book that you have written, Bigger, Better, Braver, it is such a guide to the reader about understanding and celebrating him or herself, and then learning how to take that next step forward. And you do it in clear, gentle, and concise ways. So so I have to acknowledge and thank you for the approach that you took to creating bigger, better, and braver. How can people get more information about your book and your work, what you're doing?
1: Well, everything is on my website. So my website is nancypicardlifecoach.com, and the the first page of my website has my book, and it has it's, you can you can buy my book on pre-sale right now on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, and if you if you order on the pre-sale, you'll get my reader's guide. When my when you get my book, you'll also get the download to my reader's guide which is a great reader's guide to help you do more work, answer more questions, go deeper, use it in a book club or a group of people. And it's all on my website, plus all of my coaching courses and everything.
0: So spell your name for us, if you would. I want to make sure folks get okay. to the right website.
1: So it's N A N C Y P I C K A R D L I S E. C O A C H dot com. Okay. Nancy, well, so, so it's just nancypicardlifecoach.com.
0: Sounds great. I, I got one quick question to ask you, and then we got to be out of here. When okay. you came down from that tiny little hike you did uh, to kill, yeah. up Kilimanjaro, what was the first thing you did? <laughs>
1: The first thing I did was take off all my clothes because I thought I was going to be emaciated. I thought I was going to have lost like 15 pounds and I was so excited to see my skinny little body. But really what happened is you're, you're so bloated from the pressure of hiking up and then you went all the way down to 10,000 that you were like a balloon. So, but that's the first thing I did.
0: That, that's a memorable first thing. Nancy, I can't tell you <laughs> yeah. what a pleasure it's been to meet you and talk with you about Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage, and Transform Your Life by Nancy Picard. Nancy, thank you again so much for your time today and for the work you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It really was. Folks,
0: thank you as well for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you regularly as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with the professional of your choice. Mind Talk is available on demand at MYNDTalk.org. You can also email me at Pamela, P A M E L A, at mindtalk.org I'll spell that for you again M Y-N-D T A L K dot O-R-G. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, that's exactly what it is. Unacceptable. You take care.